With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 11 of The Submarine Boys on Duty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Submarine Boys on Duty by Victor G. Durham. Chapter 11. The Tryout in the Depths. Pollard clutched at the stairway railing with both hands, his face hard set, his eyes staring. He was not afraid. In that supreme moment, he could not know physical fear. It was the inventor's dread of failure that possessed him. Jacob Barnum stood as one fascinated as he felt the boat plunging into the depths. "'Aren't you going to put us on an even keel, sir?' Jack called. The warning was needful and the exhilaration of that plunge, Farnham was in danger of forgetting. In a twinkling, now, however, he threw open the sea-valves of the other tanks, midships and aft, until the gauge showed that they were running on an even keel, and forty feet below the surface. Their speed was now about five miles an hour, but could be increased gradually. The ghastly lines on David Pollard's cheeks began to soften. His eyes gleamed. "'There's nothing wrong. We can run anywhere,' he shouted. Yet there was something of hysteria in his voice. Nor was it long before the others began to feel themselves similarly affected. It was an eerie feeling that all hands had, running along like this, blind and guessing in the depths. Pollard was the only one aboard who had ever been below before in a submarine boat. Though the rest had faced the chances coolly enough, they now began to feel the strain. Even when it is broad daylight on the surface, with the sun shining brightly, the submarine boat, when a few fathoms below, is simply a blinded, groping monster. There is no way of illuminating the depths of the ocean. Naval officers have suggested placing of a powerful electric light at the bow of the ship, but when tried it has been quite useless. The light will not project far enough ahead through the dense water to do any more than make the surrounding darkness all the more trying to the brave men's nerves. Take the wheel, Dave. It will steady you to have something to do, spoke the builder to the inventor. As soon as you get the wheel, turn the course to due south. Follow it to the line. Jack Benson slid out of the helmsman's seat, giving way to the inventor, and stepped down to the stairway. At the foot he came upon Epp and Hal standing there. 
their faces presenting a strange look. "'How did you find it?' asked Benson. "'Startling,' replied Hal Hastings. "'Yet nothing is happening to us,' contended Ep Summers, somewhat shaky in his tones. "'It's it's just thinking what might happen if we were to strike a waterlogged old hull of some vessel, say. "'Or collide with a bluefish,' suggested Hal, with a short, nervous laugh. "'I suppose we'll be used to this after a few more trips,' laughed Jack, with an effort. "'Are you scared, too?' asked Gep, keenly. "'Well, I can't say that I feel wholly comfortable,' admitted Jack Benson, candidly. "'Then you're sitting down on your fears pretty well,' declared Young. "'Hastings, with an admiring look at his chum, "'we've got to,' returned Jack stoutly, "'if we're going to go into the submarine bow line. "'We've got to learn to look as though we liked anything underwater. "'Let's take a look in and see how Andrews likes it,' proposed Depp. Peeping through the door of the engine room, they beheld the man there sitting bolt upright on one of the leather cushioned seats, staring hard at the wall opposite. He turned his head, however, as soon as he became aware of the presence of the submarine boys. What a creepy, ain't it? hailed Grant, his voice not as steady as usual. Think you're going to learn to like it? demanded Benson. Well, I may get so I'll think this sort of thing the greatest going drawled Andrews, but I'm afraid a good soft bed on land will always be a close second for me. Wonder how far these bosses are going to run under water, pondered up, sliding into the engine room and seating himself on the cushion opposite Andrews. Till they've tried the boat out all they want to under water, I guess, ventured Jack. I'll slip back so I can pass any order that may come, proposed Hal, who truth to tell, felt an undefinable something that made him too restless to like the idea of sitting down. As the pallet continued to glide along, almost without perceptible motion at that depth, these members of the crew became somewhat accustomed to the feeling. They began to have a new notion, though, that they would take it all much more easily after they had once seen proof of the new craft's ability to rise. "'Say, I wonder if it would be too fresh of me to ask Mr. Farnham "'when he means to try the rising stuff,' wondered Epp aloud. "'Grant Andrews looked up with interest, then shook his head. "'Better not,' he advised. "'We knew what we were coming to and took all the chances. "'Now we'd better keep quiet. "'Any nervousness might bother Mr. Pollard or Mr. Farnham.' "'Well, she's a dandy boat anyway,' declared Epp a bit jerkily. "'So far she's done everything she's been told to do.' "'so I reckon she can rise when the time comes.' "'Who's below?' cried Mr. Farnham. "'Hastings, sir,' Hal answered. "'Tell the crew we're going to run below the surface "'until the air becomes noticeably bad. "'We want to test out the compressed air devices "'for purifying the atmosphere.' "'So Hal stepped forward with the message. "'Don't you think the air begins to smell queer already?' "'demanded Epp, looking up. "'I'm willing to have some compressed air turned on right now.' The others laughed, which was all they could do. Jack Benson, of them all, probably was getting most rapidly over the first bad touch of submarine fright. He was now almost as well satisfied as he would have been on the porch of the little hotel at Dunham. Only he was anxious to know just how the boat would behave when it became time to rise. That was all. How would you feel if we were running along like this, bent on driving a torpedo against the hull of a big battleship? questioned Epp. Curious, Jack answered. What about? 
wonder if we are going to succeed in the job. Put it another way, laughed Grant Andrews shortly. How would you feel about being aboard a battleship in wartime and suspecting that a boat like this was nosing down in the water after you? Jack Benson made a little grimace. Serious business is fighting on the ocean, isn't it? He replied. It's stranger to think about it is to be doing it, replied Andrews amusingly. I know I was in the war with Spain. How did you feel? asked Epp quickly. Tired most of the time, replied Andrews. Sick some of the time and hungry the rest. But about being scared, insisted Epp. I was kept too busy, generally, to have any time to be scared. I was a soldier, and a soldier is a good deal like any other workman. He does his work by habit. Soon gets over thinking about it much. There was a long pause, broken by Epp saying, I wonder when they're going to let the boat rise. When they're going to try to make it rise, you mean? Corrected Jack Benson. Same thing, I hope, muttered Epp Summers. After some minutes more, Jacob Farnham stepped down below. Why, it looks cozy in here at night, doesn't it? He called. At sound of his voice, the boy stepped out of the engine room into the cabin. Mighty comfortable sort of place, continued the yard's owner, looking around him. We'll have to put in some books so you young men can read when you're doing nothing underwater. Maybe the time will come when we can read, laughed Hal. Just now, sir, I'm afraid we're too busy with thinking and wondering. I confess to being a bit nervous myself, responded Mr. Farnham. Somehow there is something uncanny about rushing through the depths of the ocean in this fashion, not having any idea what danger may be close by. Such a running into the hull of some big liner that draws more than forty feet of water, hinted Jack. We're uh, fifty-eight feet below now, remarked Mr. Farnham. You didn't guess that, did you? We sank eighteen feet more on an even keel? Gracious! You mean those eighteen feet, didn't you? It wasn't an accident, gasped Epp. We meant it, smiled the builder, but, but say the air is getting a bit foul here, isn't it? We'll have to try the air compressing equipment now. By an ingenious mechanical contrivance, the present air was forced, by compressed air, into the compartments for which the bad air was expelled through sea valves. An instant change for the better in the atmosphere was noted. That's another thing about this good old new craft of ours that works all right so far, remarked the builder. Boys, I'm beginning to have confidence that we're going to see the service again all right. Hello, there's Pollard hailing us. The air purifier all right, didn't it? called down the inventor. Yes, couldn't have been better, declared the builder heartily. Then I'm going to make the supreme test, came down from the man at the wheel. We'll proceed to find out whether we can rise to the surface and stay there. End of chapter 11 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan